0: Hello CTSNet friends, welcome to this 2nd September 2023 edition of the CTSNet Beat podcast, keeping you up to date with everything that's new and great in cardiac and thoracic surgery worldwide. Today we have an absolutely massive paper from the World Lung Conference. Uh, it's a paper that might finish surgery for mesothelioma, so listen on for that. Uh, we have some interesting news about how people live after type B dissection and an amazing new device that might give us online live clotting tests, uh, something we've all wanted. The videos include a seven-minute hemi-arch replacement technique, uh, a really difficult redo sub-annular bentles and for the first time uh, we have got one of my videos uh, where I am profiling uh, the art essential wristed instruments. Are they VATS instruments? Are they robotic instruments? Who knows? Uh, so keep watching and we'll tell you all. biggest paper of the week, without any doubt, was presented at the World Lung Conference this week by Professor Eric Lim of the Brompton Hospital. He presented Mars 2 decortication plus chemotherapy is associated with worse outcomes for resectable mesothelioma. Uh, This was a multi-centre paper uh, produced in the UK. Uh, It was a huge, randomised trial. 169 patients randomised to surgery, plus chemotherapy the standard of care uh, in the time frame of this study uh, versus chemotherapy alone the patients were followed up for around two years uh, and um, it actually follows on after Mars 1 which was a study of extra pleural pneumonectomy performed in the UK and multi-centre in multi-centres which showed that extra pleural pneumonectomy uh, had worse survival uh, for patients having surgery so people went to this less aggressive Technique of radical pleurectomy decortication preserving the lung, but what did it find? Well, it found an increased risk of death in the first 42 months, 28% increased death rate in the surgery group. There were more adverse events, increased treatment costs, and uh, and the really sad thing is that it actually had a reduced quality of life as well. So, so there was nothing good that came from the surgery. Um, so what is uh, the outcomes of this? So there was a, uh, a rebuttal from Dr. Ugald uh, from the USA who said that uh, maybe this study didn't use PET scans, maybe it didn't really find out who didn't have N2 disease. Um, what were the surgeons in the study? Well, they were quite expert surgeons. So David Waller, um, Apostolakis Nakas from, uh, from, from Glenfield, you know, really good surgeons. So, so it's quite difficult to think how this 160 patients in each arm randomised trial has got the answer wrong. Um, and uh, so what does it mean for mesothelioma surgery? Um, to me, it means it's toast. Uh, But what do you think about it and is the only way to resuscitate mesothelioma surgery to do a study bigger than this? I don't think there'll be a randomised study like this done ever again. So what do you think? This is absolutely massive news. I think this will rumble on for a long time to come. We might try and catch up uh, with the first author, maybe at EACS, maybe elsewhere. And we'll also try and reach out to some of the major advocates of surgery for mesothelioma going forward. But uh, huge article at The World Lung. Look out for it. And, uh, and I'm sure this will be game changing and practice changing worldwide. The second paper that we have selected for you is called Long-Term Health-Related Quality of Life After Acute Type B Dissection, a cross-sectional survey study. Um, This comes from the Erasmus Clinic in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. It's a really good paper, really well done by Roos Hessenlink, first author Frederica Menensidi, uh, and many, many others, because it's from a national database. So this national database um, has got uh, a load of patients having type B dissection section from 2007 to 2017 there are four centers in the Netherlands that do that see these patients and uh, and they did a really really good job of doing the SF36 quality of life scores um, all the way up to 2021 following them up for quite a few years they've got 263 patients um, and uh, what were the findings? Well just first of all, what, how were they treated? Well it's type B dissection, so 55% of them were medically treated, 41% had Tvar, uh, and just 4%, 6 of them had some surgery for enlarging type B dissection. Um, the mean follow-up time was six years Um, and um, compared to normal people um, they were worse they were worse uh, in health-related quality of life Uh, they're worse in physical function scores Uh, they're worse in in mental component scores so so having a type b dissection in summary is bad Um, they need follow-up you know they do worse they feel worse they function worse Uh, and so i think that was the main headline from this paper for me Um, while we do say medical treatment Treatment or just put a stent in you know we do probably need extended follow-up and support for these poor patients. The third paper we have selected for you is a banger! Wow, this is what we've all been waiting for, I think. It's very early days, but uh, listen to the title of this. Real-time blood monitor for coagulation saves doctors critical time during surgery. This is what you want. So we've got inline haemoglobin meters, pH, electrolytes, put them on our bypass machines, but we've never had an instant clotting meter. So uh, so this is super exciting. Uh, so. This this was, um, we've linked to a, to an article uh, in a medical newspaper, but this comes from a journal called Journal Soft Matter. Uh, and basically, uh, William de DeCampley, uh, he's a paediatric surgeon at uh, Orlando Health Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children and a professor of surgery at the Department of Clinical Sciences there. And he got together uh, with, uh, with some of his optics and photonics team uh, in 2017 and said, I want a monitor that looks at clotting. And, uh, and they did this clever thing that's called uh, microphotonics, uh, and basically instead of putting something in a tube and waiting 20 minutes or 10 minutes like the ACTs to get sticky it looks for instant sort of stickiness of the blood through a tiny optical fibers that's a fraction of a millimeter in diameter uh, instantly looking at the stickiness of the blood without even withdrawing blood from the patient so it's like an inline meter just like our pH and hemoglobin meters um, they've already found that the measurements seem sensitive to real life transformations in the bloodstream and uh, and there they've done two studies uh, on this already so so this looks really big and just i mean to me um, clotting is a massive, dynamic system. It changes minute to minute. When you give the heparin and the protamine, you see that. You see the clots disappearing and there's no clots and suddenly gets clotting. when Clotty, when you put the platelets and FFP in. You know, we see it minute to minute, second to second, but our tests just can't keep up, really. So I think this is genuinely game-changing. I think this could be genuinely game-changing for ECMO circuits, for LVADs, for obviously bypass cases for coagulopathies So watch out for this, I think truly exciting for the future. So I'd like to hand over to the CTSNet team who's going to tell you a few other things that will be on the website this week. CTSNet's 9th Annual Resonant Video Competition is now open for submissions. Residents and medical students of all CT surgical specialties are eligible to submit surgical videos for a chance to win prominent publication on CTSNet and an exclusive interview with the judges. The deadline to submit is December 29, 2023. To learn more, head to the resident video competition page on ctsnet.org. We have some great videos for you this week and I think my favourite uh, is from Stephen Spindell from the Oshner Medical Centre, New Orleans uh, and Albert Williams uh, and it's called the Aortic Hemiarch Replacement the 7 Minute Technique it's beautifully narrated, it's not that long it's two cases and really what he says is um, Uh, I wish they called it keep it simple stupid Uh, basically he says he cools down to 28 degrees um, he just takes the cross clamp off uh, and does a 7 minute hemi arch replacement and just warms up again Uh, none of that anti-grade cardioplegia none of those 20 to 30 minute circulatory arrest none of that cooling down to 20 you know nice and simple uh, and uh, and that's why it only takes 7 minutes he highlights 2 cases uh, basically pretty similar really and uh, basically just takes off the clamp and he just does a 4.0 running suture between the Dacron graft and the Or He takes really, really big stitches. He spends loads of time concentrating on making it perfect. Starts at 4 o'clock, goes clockwise to 10 o'clock, then goes the other way. Uh, and then the really important thing is he then clamps up, pressurises and assesses it for bleeding and makes absolutely sure he doesn't need any extra stitches and it's perfect at that stage takes 7 minutes really consistent really reproducible great job i just love it i love simplicity uh, i love the way that this looks really reproducible so well done uh, these brilliant authors and check that out right now the second Um, video is from Italy from Marco Di Usanio and uh, Michel Gagliazzi and it's a really difficult case, one of those horrible uh, horror cases. It's entitled Subannular Bentals in a Pseudoaneurysm of Mitral Aortic Intervalvular Fibrosa So this 67 year old man had undergone aortic valve replacement and um, had an out of hospital arrest, uh, had an angiogram, but there was a large aortic pseudoaneurysm um, so, and it was in the aortic mitral, um, sort of just around the annulus. Um, it hadn't burst into the atrium yet, um, but it looked really horrible. So, they prepared uh, are they going to have to do a commando technique? Um, they opened up and they saw this big pseudo aneurysm. It was nearly a 50 millimeter cavity. So, they chopped it all out. They prepared the buttons and then they basically cut down all the way um, into the sub annular. Uh, sort of area so that they found good tissue that could take good sutures and that's where they did their bentles. Um, I thought that was really nice it was a really good hint and tip let's get beyond where where all the all the nasty endocarditis stuff is let's get to healthy tissue do a really really good really good anastomosis put the buttons back on and uh, and that will save the day um, so really good video liked it a lot and uh, check it out uh, obviously it's a uh, it's a horror case and uh, we never like to do these but you know you don't have any choice so so really nice technique done congratulations. And the third video is my video. Um, uh, this video is a right upper lobectomy and uh, and I performed it with uh, the Artisential Wristed Instruments. So in my thoracic journey I have uh, tried hundreds of different techniques. It's amazing really how many different techniques there are to take out a lobe. So I started with three port posterior approach, standing from the back with Bill Walker. I then went to the Copenhagen Henrik Hansen three-port anterior approach. I then went to Diego's second ever Uniportal course in La Coruña in twenty thirteen and started Uniportal Robotics. Then went to Shanghai and did Subziphoid Uniportal. I then added three ports, three five more ports and did subzifoid um incision and three fiber ports. And then I found the robot. And then uh, we're, here we are with a sort of hybrid technique. I call it surgeon powered robotics because I think it's quite a lot of the good of VATS and quite a lot of the good of robotics. So I've got a automated camera holder. Uh, And I've got these uh, artisanal wristed instruments which look like robotic arms. Uh, They've got bipolar, Maryland hooks, uh, spatulas, all that sort of stuff, but they're super cheap. They're quick and easy. It doesn't cost the price of a robot. And, And I think you can pretty much simulate a robotic operation bivats with these so maybe just have a look for some hints and tips one really interesting thing was that they've got a a maryland grasper with monopolar energy i always thought this would be a good idea because i've never really well get on with bipolar okay but this was monopolar but what happens it's quite strange it will burn whatever has the highest resistance so if you grab something with quite a lot of tissue and pull and then there's something with less tissue further down it'll burn like a centimeter away from your where you're burning so quite a wacky thing So you learn lots of things by trying new instruments. So um, the other thing is I use cryoanalgesia uh, in this video. So take a look at that. I think it's absolutely amazing. We're setting a randomized trial in it. It's getting people out of hospital with less opiates quicker, uh, and and I really like that. So maybe just a few hints and tips from this video. I apologize, it's eye-wateringly long. It's over 20 minutes. Sorry about that, but uh, I hope you like it. There we go. What's happening around the world? Well, uh, I guess the biggest thing on my mind is three weeks time. It's E-Acts. Uh, I'll be there, as will the rest of the world. Uh, we'll be doing loads of videos uh, from cardiac, thoracic, anybody that will talk to us. Uh, and uh, it does look to be huge. So it's going to be in Vienna. It's going to be brilliant. So uh, there's going to be a, a, a techno day on, on the Wednesday. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be posting as much as we can from there. And uh, hope to see you there. Come up to our CTS Net stand. Come and say hi maybe you'd like to submit a video or tell us about one of your papers that we can submit at Jans we'd love to see you and meet you in person maybe we'd even do a video who knows Uh, come say hi myself and Mary Hammond will be there on the CTSnet stand next to the STS stand uh, EX has also got a cerebral and visceral protection webinar. It's September the 28th. It's an online course. It's virtual. so And you can watch it from the uh, pleasure of your own home. So if you'd like to get involved in that, then just uh, log on to the EX uh, website or click the uh, link below and, uh, and log on. And then finally, over in America, the STS is having an advocacy conference October the 17th to the 18th. It's in Washington, D.C., you will get to meet uh, politicians. They have invited congressmen and staff, and it's all about trying to interact and link with uh, government officials to try and influence uh, policy in the USA. It sounds really interesting, sounds pretty important to me, so, so don't miss out on that opportunity. We come to our last two things. Uh, Firstly, we catch up with Diego Gonzalez-Rivas, the roving thoracic surgeon, and he is actually in uh, America this week. He's with his... Uh, trainee trainer and mentor Tom D'Amico for the Masters Series Conference uh, at Duke uh, this has been going for many many years it's a phenomenal conference and uh, and he will be there with all the other stars uh, of course Tom D'Amico taught him uh, a lot of what he knew and really kicked off uniportal surgery with him and in some ways i often think Tom D'Amico as a uniportal surgeon who just then puts a separate hole for his drain uh, so so he certainly is a godfather of uniportalism. The other thing Diego's been doing is he did post a wonderful video of a tracheal resection by VATs. Uh, really was an amazing looking video with some crossfield circulation, uh, chopped out the distal trachea uh, and the left and right main bronchus and stitched it all up back again uh, by VATs. very impressive. And so we finally come to our honourable mention. And in this week where Eric Lim presents what, in my mind, could be the death knell of mesothelioma surgery, it just brought me to think of the godfather of mesothelioma surgery, David Sugarbaker. Um, He was a wonderful man. Uh, He has a Wikipedia page. He was born in 1953, but unfortunately died in 2018. But he used to come to our UK society meeting. He was tremendously eloquent and vibrantly enthusiastic. About his passion, which was mesothelioma surgery. He set up an international mesothelioma uh, practice. People came from all over the world to see him and to try and get the best that they could. And I'm absolutely confident that he extended life in all the patients he saw. He pushed the boundaries, he he did intraoperative chemotherapy. Uh, the 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 quote that stood out for me is that he said we are just millimeters away from a cure because it did always frustrate him that the pa- that the cancer came back. He did always have a concept that it was just a few cells uh, out of reach of his knife that were just preventing that cure. But he always strived to try and do the best for his patients. So. I don't know what he's thinking about Mars 2. Uh, he's probably shouting down from his cloud. But uh, but actually, we probably wouldn't be where we are today without his amazing uh, work. So he's our honourable mention of the week. And thank you for watching to the end. Uh, we can't do this podcast without you. It's much appreciated. I hope to see you at TX. Come and say hi. And please tell me if you've got any hints or tips for what we should cover in this CTSNet podcast. But from me, Joel Dunning, over at the staff at CTSNet, that's the end and uh, join me next week for another edition of this podcast.